Welcome back, everybody, to the Sander Lanch Podcast. This week, we are going to be doing something special. We're going to be going over some of the predictions that uh, our co-hosts made during uh, the Final Empire, now that we're done with it. And we're going to – I've uh, pulled out some of the best predictions, and we're going to re-listen to those. And I think uh, I also want to talk about you know, how obvious maybe some of these twists seemed in hindsight. And then uh, after that – we will be going through the short story, The Eleventh Metal. So, I am Data, and with me is... Jack. Joe. And Jamie. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting and different episode. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Okay, everybody, and I pulled out about one, two, three, six clips that I wanted to talk about with everyone, and because I thought that they were, like I told you guys, I left out the last like four to five episodes as far as pulling out predictions, and y'all started to come up with some really good ones as we got into that, but at that point, it was kind of like, well, yeah, we're reaching the end of the book. Some of these probably are a little more obvious than the other ones, or... Uh, it's not as impressive as when we were at the beginning of the book and uh, you guys were pulling stuff out. <laughs> so our first clip is from Dak all the way back in episode two. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. Is it Volcanoes? Was that episode two? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to come up, but no, it's not episode okay. two. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> so, in this one, we were talking about, uh, we just started to learn about the various Alimantic powers. And Dak says... I don't know, is there one of the powers just like full-on turns you into Magneto and you fly through the air and just fling metal <laughs> at people? I mean, it would be cool, but just from what we've seen, I don't know if it fits. And then, of course, I think it was the very next chapter that people were flying through the air throwing metal at people. So Hold it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, there's some Magneto action in this book for sure. I think the most Magneto we get is probably Kelsier facing off against that Inquisitor. I think so, yeah. It gets seriously Magneto at that point. You're you're not wrong. Although, like, that one was still... There was a lot of jumping around stuff, but it, it was still fairly contained to the ground. Like, the fight with uh, Vin against Chandelariel, like, had them jumping through the air and, like, you know, bashing at each other midair and stuff, so... That's true. And she, like, sent a soldier up to bash the other guy midair so he fell out of the sky. That was... Yeah, yeah. So... There's definitely some Magneto stuff, but we we hadn't learned about pushing and pulling metal at that point. So it was like, I thought that was a really good prediction for what the metals would end up being like. Because a lot of the battles really kind of, the pushing and pulling is really important. And that is where we get into the whole Magneto sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. The next one is a kind of kind of a similar thing, but this one is from Joe in episode four. 
Um, I'm hoping that we get some kind of development that we haven't seen before with these characters where we get to see Vin interacting one-on-one with with uh, maybe some of the other characters, like maybe one-on-one with Breeze, like helping him do things. Yeah. One-on-one with Hammond, helping him do things. Um, and, uh, and then we got exactly those things. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's not, uh, you know, I predicted it. That's not a complete shot in the dark. You you would imagine that there's going to be some character development with each of these gang members, whatever you want to call it, thief crew members. But we did, like, almost immediately get that. So that was pretty funny. Well, we sort of did, but then we spaced them out. Like, she didn't get to, like, do anything with Ham till much later on in the book from there. Then Spook was almost at the very end, actually. Well, we just kept forgetting that Spook is like... Jamie and I were talking about this last night. We kept, we kept forgetting Spook like even is an element. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is one, isn't he? Right. I, I completely forgot he was like an official part of the crew until they would ask him things like, what do you see? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's just kind of hanging around because he's the nephew. Like, you, my friend, are the subject of nepotism. <laughs> but apparently he was their best tenai because they sent him with, uh, you know... Uh, yeah. Yeah. When they left. Which, I mean, makes sense now, but earlier in the book, I was like, this kid is here just to make things confusing. What is his role? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasing with the seeing. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but look, could you imagine that? Your best tin eye and you can't understand him. Like, that's not yeah, good. Yeah, the lookout's <laughs> not a very good lookout if you can't understand what he's saying. Not optimal. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Although, apparently, like, Kelsier seemed to understand him. And presumably, like, his uncle understood him. Breeze didn't, but who cares about Breeze, right? So. I think the worst part about him is, like, you find out he can talk normal. Yes. <laughs> he just continues to choose to talk that way and confuse the people he's with. Well, no, I think as we get towards the end of the book, he's, like, putting in an effort to, like, start talking normally. And it, Do you think you from kind of the time, but you think from the time he was a small child, that's the way everybody talked to him? His parents, even though Clubs is his uncle, his parents were like, wasn't with the doing, child. Like, what? No. <laughs> you don't know what his parents were like. For some yeah. reason, as soon as you said that, all, all I thought was, you know, it's the, it's the phrase in this one, Clubs, your uncle. <laughs> Speaking of Clubs, he's the one guy that we, like, didn't get any one-on-one experience with in the crew. Yeah, he just kind of faced the background. I was, yeah. Which I think was really interesting because a lot of sort of grey area that we're now looking at towards the end of the book, you know, that Vin can penetrate a copper cloud. And I think Mare was the same branch of Alamancy and that she was the one that was, like, the betrayer. And I think it's really interesting that this is the one we haven't really explored the ins and outs of how it worked. So I'm hoping that that will carry over. Mare was a tin-eye, like Spook. Oh, was she? Yeah, okay. they had a they had a smoker with them that night, but he got killed. His name yeah. was Red. Uh, Smoker's sorry. Red. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's when we made the joke about practice my stab in Red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, we've made that joke multiple times. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you know, Dave Herman's a great actor, and uh, that's a great. It's character. it's a it's a great line. <laughs> but in the annotations, he kind of mentions just in passing that like they don't have that one-on-one learning to use the powers things with Club because. Copper is, I guess, just on or off. There's not, like, any subtlety to it, according to him. So there wasn't much for her to, like, learn there, I suppose. Hey, clubs, press the copper button. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm contributing. 
Well, that's the one scene, that, I mean, like, where Spook's like, hey, you're with the, wasn't with the smoke, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm smoking. <laughs> or no, oh, what, he's, he's like, you're really with the burn, right? Whatever it was. It's, it's Spook lines, you know. <laughs> it's stupid. Spook, Spook, what do your tin eyes see? They're like, taking of the hobbits to Isengard. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, uncle, you, you, you really with the burn? He's like, fuck you, Spook. <laughs> That's if Joe was Spook's uncle. That's just what he would say to him. It's it's like that episode of The Next Generation where they're like, shut up, Wesley. <laughs> shut up, Wesley. Uh, okay, next one is from episode seven, and this is from Joe. And this is the one that he he's wasn't even willing to put it in the prediction segment because it was just so <laughs> out there. Whoever, the, whoever wrote these epigraphs was who the prophecy was about. But then Rashek wants to be who the prophecies are about so Rashek kills the guy who wrote the epigraphs and becomes the lord ruler pretending he is the chosen one god damn yeah it was a big hail mary pass that i was like ah, i mean this is crazy talk it's not gonna be really what happened <laughs> and then i was very surprised when uh, jamie laid it all out for us and i was like oh yeah maybe that's right <laughs> he was like meant to do it of course, it's it's part of the same prediction, like that same clip. If it had gone on a little further, would have had him being like talking about how Say is just also secretly working for Rashek and. Hey, I mean, you know. I said he, yeah, they may be in cahoots. He, he could still turn. We don't know. Says could be bad. Yeah, I think that was one of your predictions from the end of the last episode. It was like something's gonna happen with Sazed. Yeah, I, I don't think we've we're done with uh with the Sazed uh, turns, if you will. Yeah, yeah, you've been you've been on that train for a while. It's like you you really don't you really don't like that guy. Oh no, well, I no, love not, not 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 like not trust yeah. that guy. I don't trust him. That's that's the way. You can't I trust anybody that you like that much. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I just don't trust him. He he's obviously hiding lots of things, and it's the guys that are like seemingly helpful and <laughs> caring, like, but they're yeah. hiding lots of stuff that you're like, eh, I don't know about that. It's like at the end of the book, he's going to like just cut, cut Spook's throat and go, wasing with the terrace. <laughs> I don't know why, but okay. He's like, uh, you know, you can't Spook hear do? that, right? You just can't. <laughs> oh, poor Spook. It was like, like any opportunity to dump yeah. on that guy. He's like, st- stay away from my mistress, slit. <laughs> Uh, wait, so he's going to have a mistress? Oh, you mean Vin. Okay, well, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, she calls her the whole... Did you... Wait, did you read this book? <laughs> well, no, I mean, the way you're like, stay away from my mistress, and like, it turns violent, it sounds more like, you know, a romantic thing. And I'm like, wait, Sazed has a mistress? How's that work? But no, okay, I follow you. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, then we make a big jump. Uh, we're jumping to episode 13. And this one is from Dak, and he says... I'm fairly convinced now that Marsh is going to become an Inquisitor down the line. Wait, what? I don't remember saying that. I remember saying having that as the theory. I don't remember going, yes, I'm certain this is a thing. No, yeah, that's what you said. He's God damn, I played myself. <laughs> you surprised yourself with your own next prediction. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you, you kind of stayed on that one in the next episode. You're like, yep, I still think, you know, there's a good chance that Marsh is going to become an Inquisitor into episode 14. And after that, it was kind of forgotten about. <laughs> Until we got to the uh, end, and it was like, hey. I, th- I think I stuck with the whole, he's not dead, but. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I think after Kelsier dies, you're just like, oh, well. And I kind of get it, because like half of the impact of Marsh becoming an Inquisitor is the theoretical scene where he confronts Kelsier, and Kelsier's like, oh my god, my brother! And you don't yeah, get that happen. <laughs> you get Vin and Sazed seeing... Nobody else, I guess, in the book sees him. That we know of, anyway. Yeah, unless you count the Lord of oh, I think... Uh... Well, in the epilogue, are they not back, like, with Doxin and stuff? No, in the epilogue, uh, like, she specifically says that, like, Sazed has gone and talked to them, but she wasn't ready to see them yet, and he kind of communicated to them that she needed to rest. And then the three of them just kind of have a conversation. Marsh is just chilling in the break room. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to hide behind the vending machines. Well, he's in charge of everything now. He's He, he probably took over the Lord of Rulers' bedroom, like, pulled out all these decorations and <laughs> paintings and shit. Let me guess. Yeah, he's uh, he's walking around in his snowshoes, even though he doesn't need it. <laughs> he's hold, 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 holding up, like, the woolen cloak. He's like, what is this? What even is this? It, st- it smells horrible. There's holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's like, a- why, why are, what are these animal pelts? The only animals I know about are horses and mistrates. Can you, can you eat a mistrace? I mean, why not? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, that's a really good question, actually. <laughs> I, maybe it's one of the things where it's like, well, you can eat it. You wouldn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Once you eat it, it eats you from the inside out. Might. Ugh. <laughs> okay. And then um, we go to episode 14, which was the big one from Jamie. And actually, the clip that I have from it is really short because she gave that whole long like thing where she had all the support. But the, the actual clip is two seconds where she's like, I think the Lord Ruler is actually Rashek. <laughs> we listened back to that episode and it just went on and on and on. I was like, oh, man, I was talking for such a long time. Because <laughs> you were trying to support your theory. There's nothing wrong with that. And everybody yeah. was impressed and loved that. So I was. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no way I supported that same theory in episode seven. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm like, just, you he, know what, guys? I'm about to blow your mind. Like, Rashek that is the Lord Ruler. <laughs> and a stapler. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's that, what's that meme of Elon Musk smoking weed? That was you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, 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 guys. Wait, 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 wait. What if Rashek, hold on, Rashek, <laughs> he's that terrorist dude, right? Yeah. Rashek. <laughs> Is secretly he like you know it's a conspiracy right he kills the Lord Ruler or he kills the guy whose prophecies about he becomes Lord Ruler he takes over right is anybody with me and then seven <laughs> episodes later Jamie's like here's what actually happened well and then when Jamie gets to the beginning of her like her she's starting her prediction Joe's like oh wait I think you're touching on something I predicted and I'm just like you be quiet you let her <laughs> <laughs> quiet you. Yeah, yeah, I really liked in the end, uh, just the word that triggered me to go, like, to think back over it all was the same thing that Vin went through when he started Mm -hmm. talking about dominance. And I was like, yes, see, exactly. Caught up. So not only did you get the theory right, but you got the right, you follow the same train of thought. (laughs) So I feel like that's, that shows you that it's a pretty good uh, reveal. Is it something that was built in well enough that several episodes before the end, Jamie could put the pieces together and predict it? Yeah, I think they did it really well. I'd love to read back through the whole thing and see what other things we might have missed, little little signs. They're obviously there because the seed was planted for Joe, so you know, <laughs> there's, there's something there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think I if I did reread this book, I'd do it after I read like all three. Yeah, that um, would that'd be the way to go. 
Yeah, but just because I know for the other books. Yeah, like I just I noticed so many more things after completing a series. Like I picked up the first Harry Potter book again, I think like three or four years ago, and there's there's a a hint in that very first book to something that happens in the very last book, and I was just like shocked. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this is in here. I can't believe I didn't notice this. Before. Which thing is that? So um. We're going on a long tangent here. So when when Harry when Harry goes into the forest and the centaurs are like, we can't go against what the stars have foretold. Basically, the centaur saves him from Voldemort in the Forbidden Forest. Yeah. All the centaurs are reading the stars saying the Lord, like Lord Voldemort, is going to kill Harry in the Forbidden Forest, which is exactly oh. what happens in the seventh oh. book. Never, never put that together. No, neither yeah. have I. No, I mean, I, I, like I said, this was like three years ago when I, when I read that, and I was like, wait a minute, like, yeah, because if you think about it, the centaurs are not wrong; they can read the future well, so they knew it was going to happen. It's just we didn't know when it was going to happen and exactly how it was going to happen. <laughs> they got the date wrong. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, and there are, as as we progress through the other two books, you will see that there's a lot of stuff built in, even to early parts of this book that will uh, pay off in book two or three. So. He constructs them pretty well like that. So we didn't we didn't touch on it a lot as we went through these because the first one was Magneto and the second one was like the one on ones and it didn't really fit there that well. But what do you guys do you guys think that the major twists here like Marsh becoming an Inquisitor and Roshek is the Lord Ruler that you guys managed to predict in hindsight? Do you feel like these were like they were obvious or I mean, you were able to predict them, so there must have been some there, – there's clearly some stuff pointing there. But how obvious do you think, like, the major twists of the book are in hindsight now that you've read the whole thing? I think obvious very much. Like, they they laid they laid the seeds and we were able, and we were able to predict them, but like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them obvious. If I was just reading the book start to finish, I probably – like, the Marsh Becoming Inquisitor, I don't think I would have picked up on that until it happened. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. like, going back, thinking about it, and trying to think up of – honestly weird shit to come up with <laughs> i think too though we we've read this book in a far different manner than yeah. what most people would read it so we're only reading two to three chapters a week and we're dissecting them for a couple of hours every week and working through our thoughts and, and other people's thoughts and sort of hearing what other people are picking up on and then we take that with us into the next chapter whereas if we're sitting there just reading this book cover to cover by ourselves i think there are things that we wouldn't have noticed um mm-hmm. So we we had a lot more puzzle pieces to put together. I don't think that these twists would have been obvious, but by the time we got to them, it makes sense. So yeah, like I'm not sure that we would have predicted as much. Yeah, if I know I did. Actively thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jamie's right. I think the format of the show lends itself, which I'm sure is why people like form book clubs and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like if you're if you're sitting there dissecting one or two chapters with somebody or a group of people, you're obviously going to pick up on more things than, than if you just read it by yourself. And so I totally agree with what Jamie and Daka both said. It's like these, these weren't obvious twists, but because we're actually diving into the text in depth and discussing it and putting things together with each other and throwing out ideas and wild theories and fun stuff like that, I think, I think that's really what made it become easier for us to kind of link things together yeah i'm I'm kind of forcing you guys to play 
the puzzle without all the pieces and see which pieces can fit together as we go instead of getting all the puzzle at once, which is how I always read them. I read stuff really fast and I never have time to stop and like think about stuff. I'm just like, I want to find out. Uh, Well, when when you read this book for the first time, like, did you predict any of these things? I, I totally don't think that I stopped long enough to even think about them. I think that I just experienced them as they came and was like, oh, my gosh, Marsh, really? Because he says, like in the annotations, he's like, you were probably expecting Marsh to come back. And it's it's been a long time since I read this book for the first time. But I don't think that I was even thinking about it deeply enough to be like, huh, I wonder if Marsh will come back. I, I just, they tell me he's dead. I buy that he's dead until we hit the twist. And it's like, oh my gosh, really? He's an Inquisitor now. But that's, uh, I guess, I, I'm not a, I read so fast that I don't have time to think about things. Because yeah, I get and to, I, yeah. I, I think the way we discuss things, it was... By the time Jamie said her piece in the in the 14th episode about Rorschach, I'm just like it was less of a twist that he was Rorschach than it was that Marsh was an gonna like actually became mm. an Inquisitor. At least to me, I felt like wow, Marsh really did become an Inquisitor, but he still like he retained all of his self awareness. That's very I did not expect that to happen. So I, I, Marsh retaining his his awareness, I think that's probably actually just part of the process because. Like, to start with, we think of the Inquisitors as, as these um, faceless, nameless monsters, and we don't know anything about them. But then, like, the later into the book, we learn they do have names and personalities. So I'm just like, so they're not monsters. They, they're, they're, they're just guys, um, and that and their savagery is basically still their personality, I think. Like, I, I don't think that actually changed. They just gained extra powers and, you know, a few extra bits. So you don't think, like, over time, those powers corrupted them, like, their minds and their bodies? Well, pot- potentially over time, but, yeah, it's like the fact that Marsh didn't straight away become a mindless monster makes me think, okay, so there is, there's there's got to be at least traces of their original personality still in these people, even if it's been warped, because they're not just mindless monsters anymore. Yeah, well, and... They definitely didn't seem to evaluate him for, like, a love of bloodshed like these other ones have. Yeah. So that's probably not part of the criteria. But then, like, they really do. Like, they all ran across the room to keep stabbing Tavidian over and over, and they were really into it. So there must be that's something. True. But it's like, this This is also a very cutthroat world where, you know, the nobility mm. are trying to screw each other over as much as possible. So maybe they just picked a whole bunch of psychos. Could be. And I, I think that there's a lot more kind of clues and foreshadowing about Rashek than there's about Marsh. The main thing that we got about Marsh was uh, what Dak kind of latched onto was the fact that there's a body, but it was unidentifiable. And everyone just assumed it was Marsh. And Dak is like, no, I'm genre savvy enough to know that when you can't identify a body, you don't just assume that it's the guy that you think it is. Right. And there's there's a couple other small clues that there's something up with one of these guys. Like, for instance, when they all run across the room to stab Tavidian... The, per- the guy that's holding Vin stays, and one other Inquisitor stays. And she's like, I don't know why he stayed. But oh, then, once you know, you're like, all oh, right, because Marsh doesn't have a love for stabbing people. So I guess he didn't run with the rest of them. He, he doesn't need to practice his stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but to wrap up our prediction segment, or our, uh, our, pre- our predictions, our predigments, look back. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what to call it. I probably should have come up with that beforehand. Ooh, that's a good word. There's one prediction that just could not be left out from Dak in episode three. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he says, 
maybe Atium creates volcanoes, and that's what that's 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 what Kelsey did underneath Tresting's palace. He created a miniature volcano and burned the place down. Okay, so I, just, I, <laughs> I, I feel I need to point out the reason I latched onto volcanoes as much as I did was the very first thing we got in this entire book is the fact that ash is constantly raining on this world. Uh-huh. Because because the sky has basically been obscured, the sun is red because there are all these volcanoes around the world that are just constantly belching forth um, ash. God, that was a gross word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, before the Lord Ruler came to be, like those were not there. You know, you had plants, you had the, a yellow sun, you had everything. That, so my assumption early on. Which, yeah, sure, it's been proven wrong. I, like, I fully accept that. But like, I just latched onto the Lord Ruler created these volcanoes. How? Probably with the metal that he safeguards with his life. That is where my head went. So that's why I latched mm. onto it so much. <laughs> I mean, he still cre- <laughs> I mean, created them somehow, or even with a different metal. We don't know that. Yeah, but... yeah that's entirely possible. I don't think anybody's sad or uh, confused or upset with you for creating <laughs> volcanoes prediction. It's an amazing prediction. It's like it's not just like a piece of bullshit I came up with out of the blue. It's like there was a logic behind it. I actually tried to edit the the mountain avalanche logo that we have for the podcast to make it a volcano after somebody <laughs> suggested that in an episode. But I am not artistic enough to make it look decent at all. It it looked really horrible, so I gave up on that. <laughs> yeah. But like, but that does lead into it's a I don't know if it's really a plot thread, but it's just like a background detail that we're sort of left hanging about when Rashek ascended and became the Lord Ruler and did whatever he had to do to the deepness, something about that set off volcanoes, and they're still going, so will we ever find out what the go is behind that? Uh, presumably, considering how much focus there is on what the world was like before the shit went down, so... Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the next book's called Well of Ascension, right? Maybe we yeah. find out what happened at the Well of Ascension. That would be fitting. Yep. Or maybe we don't find out what happened at the Well of Ascension. That would be less fair. <laughs> <laughs> in, in reality, as far as we know, there were, there's only one guy who knew, and he's dead now. So unless they find his real diary, uh, it may be tough to know what happened. Maybe the deepness can talk. And it's like, yeah, man, I was watching this. I saw that one guy stab <laughs> that other guy. Shit was wild. Maybe the deepness will have his own diary. <laughs> with his tentacles like coming out and writing yeah in, yeah good good probably create his own ink yeah. you know it'll be great <laughs> i write with the blood of innocence <laughs> uh, now you got me thinking it's like one of those one of those creatures trapped in the prison in the dresden files <laughs> blood, blood murder death, pain, murder blood yeah. death man <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i that's uh that is all the predictions that I pulled out for this week or uh, for this episode, except for a few that I pulled out that apply to either books two or three, where somebody came up with some good stuff. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, Mm. We may do more of these episodes when the time comes. Before we move on, can I ask you something about one of the emails we got? Okay. Um, Early on, someone emailed in it was like one of the first few episodes i forget which one exactly but someone emailed in and said i'm said they were convinced one of the three of us had read the book before based on their predi- based on their predictions who were they talking about this has bothered me for weeks oh i'm pretty uh, i think that may have been joe's episode seven prediction about rashek because ah. there were lots of comments at the time and the funny thing is episode seven is also the one that i uploaded and accidentally deleted and had to upload again 
And so uh, <laughs> before I accidentally deleted the episode, someone had made a comment that was like, oh, my gosh, when I heard that one prediction, I'm not going to say which one I nearly fainted or so I don't remember exactly what he's what he or she said. And I went in and replied to them like, oh, I know exactly what you mean, because I felt the same way. <laughs> and it was while I was replying to them that I accidentally deleted the episode. So, um. <laughs> but I suspect that, that is probably what they were talking about. I remember the email you you're, you're talking about. I don't remember exactly when it came in or what episode that would have been yeah. after. Yeah, no, well, I mean, one was really I, early I, on, it was clearly a sober slash drug induced prediction with no <laughs> backing. I've never read this book before. I think I think I, w- I had full disclosure at the beginning of the podcast. I had only ever read the epilogue before and I was so bothered by the epilogue prologue. originally prologue. Yes, thank you. I don't I mean, know where, where to start yeah. the epilogue. But yeah, I'd only read the <laughs> prologue before and it was so like weird to me. I was like, nah, I'm not reading this. And I'm going back to see if I can find uh, the the email he's talking about. Okay, so actually, actually, let's see. Somebody said after they listened to, I assume they listened to episode five. Uh, I swear Joe's read this book before. So his predictions are a bit too correct because my reply is thanks. We just recorded episode seven. So check out everyone's responses to your email at the end of that. And I know what you mean about Joe, especially some of the stuff he says in the one that we just did. So... That was like the third email that we ever received was hmm. that one. So that made I wonder what I predicted after episode five. Yeah, now I got to go back and listen to that one. Uh, okay, but moving on. Like I said, we may do more of uh, more of these in the future since I've got a f- few clips saved already. But we'll have to see if if people like this. If uh, if if I missed some predictions that I should have uh, picked out that were your favorites feel free to email us and i'll 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 have a section in the episode where i uh, where we receive your email where i'm like here's the stupid here's the stuff that i missed because i was stupid uh feel free but or we can just say they're listener favorite predictions yeah but mine was funnier oh sorry. <laughs> well i shit on that i apologize <laughs> so moving in to the 11th medal what did you guys think of uh, this short story, this uh, and and remember, it was written for this role playing game specifically because apparently lots of people. The way he explains it is, a lot of times a person who's a big fan of something will buy the role playing game that fits with that, but the other people in their group don't necessarily know anything about that thing, whatever this person loves so much. So they needed something to introduce the universe to those kind of people who uh, are not pulled into this familiar. RPG. Sounds familiar to me. I feel like I've gone to my brother's house and played role-playing games that I have no basis for what they are. I don't think that's true. I haven't played many (laughs) RPGs. I played the Dresden Files RPG with some people once, but that was... You were not there. Oh, yeah. I I said RPG. I really meant board game. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. I got lots of those. (laughs) Um, I liked it. Um, This one felt to me as like there's not a lot here that we don't sort of already know like in terms of like world building but it's nice to see Kelsia sort of getting his starting point I, I love this picture at the start of uh of Kelsia and Gamel standing it's like Gamel looks exactly how I pictured him with the wild hair and the very cranky expression <laughs> and um there were a few notes in here which o- over the last week I've sort of just been trying to write down all right what things gonna like have not really been answered by the first book or the short story and like the short story brought up a couple like he says that one 
Kelsia uh, Gemmel is the only Mistborn that Kelsia knows. I'm like, okay, curious to see how that happened, how he found him and how he knows. And also there's that note where like Gemmel's bagging out Kelsier and talking about how he was in the old days. And Kelsier's like, how do you know who I was, what I was like in the old mm-hmm. days? Which is like, all right, cool. That's a very, like that, that's got to come That's got to come to something. So this is making me think that Vin is going to meet Gemmel down the line, which will be cool. I, w- I look forward to seeing that, in- that interaction, but uh, that little heist was a lot of fun and saving people in Kelsier's first real fight. It's <laughs> like, so, well, that was a bit easy, but, Oh, well, that works. I guess, you know, you can't really kill him off before the first book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, you know, I didn't get a lot of precious nuggets out of this little short story. I was hoping that there would be more, like, and maybe I'm just too dumb to see them, but I was hoping there would be more, like, secrets that were revealed by this short story somehow. But yeah, I, I did key into the same th- stuff that Dak talked about with Gemmel and Kelsier, like... Uh, I did. I think uh, one character development thing I did find really interesting is that this point in Kelsier's training, he's much more focused on trying to be who he was as a thief and using Allomancy in that way, as opposed to when he becomes a fully realized Mistborn in the book and he's just like beat ass, beat ass, beat ass. Like it's very different. Yeah. But you understand that based on the conversations he has with Gemmel. It's like that's who he learned that from. Gemmel's like no. You're a misborn now. You're not gonna. You're not gonna talk your way out of stuff. You're you're gonna destroy these people. That's what you're gonna do. And so I, the the kind of nice assurance I got from it was, it's like Kelsier when he when we read about him in the first book and he kind of takes these dark turns. You you this short little short story kind of helped you feel like okay he wasn't always this way. There's a reason that he he has these dark thoughts. There's a reason that he doesn't feel that when he crosses the line sometimes there's a reason he may not feel it or sense it it's because he's very very damaged and it was this event at the pits that damaged him in this way and it's not just in his character it's it's something that traumatized him and changed him so i did really appreciate that and then of course you always get the little button at the end where he picks up the book that's about the 11th medal so yeah and i I'm actually it makes me think cuz at some point recently like in the last few episodes i think you were were like there, the, it's supposed to be like a high story, and Kelsey's supposed to be like this great con man, and you don't feel like he pulls that sort of job, like con job, on people. And in a different book, where Kelsier is more focused on like emotional allomancy, like he's kind of inclined to be here, it would be a lot less violent and a lot more like con artistry, where he's kind of nudging people with allomancy as he tries to con them. Which could have been really interesting is not the kind of book yeah. that we end up getting because it's no, more actiony. But and the well, setup and is a is a dupe on the on the readers. The setup for the whole book is a dupe on the readers because they're duping us into thinking they're really pulling a heist when what Kelsier is really after is a is a revolution. Yeah, and so, so he he kind of does con not only the readers but like his crew and he's running like a really big con on a lot of people, including us, uh, by the end. So maybe that that desire to have a con kind of pays off in some way. But it's also a bit of a different leap because, yeah, as you say, in this one, Kelsey is focusing on using sort of the mental allomantic powers. And then when we, like when he's fighting the Inquisitor, Vin is just staring. It's like, this is what he does. The steel pushing and iron pulling. That's his focus. I'm just like, well, that's a big difference there. So, yeah. But I guess in this book, he was that's what he was told to do. Like we're looking at yeah. Gemmel's teaching style and which is 
questionable. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was really cool to see, you know, how, how he was taught and then how he then taught Vin what he knew and to see sort of what he took away from Gemmell's teachings, but then what he also thought was important, passing that on, on to Vin. Um, yeah. He's a lot nicer then, to Vin, for sure. He, oh, he's a lot nicer, <laughs> but there's still like, okay, let you fail on your own. I'm not going to push you off buildings when you don't know or kick you behind the knees and throw you off a tower. You know, that's <laughs> that's not how I'm going to do it, but I am going to let you mess up because you need to learn, which I thought was a big message in this story too. It's like you you just – Gemma just had a slightly different way of showing it. But, you know, coming back to he, – he was very focused in this story on being able to be that con man. But, you know, Gemma was saying, you know, you're going to have to push, you're going to have to pull, you've got to be physical, this is the only way you're going to win this, this was an easy misborn. To he was, Yeah, you're just going to come up against so many different struggles, which he's then taken away and gone, yep, this is how we're going to have to do this. So it, it was sort of nice to see in this book how how Kelsia was starting to form who he was, what was important to him. He just, he came, he started this short story just broken and you've got someone who's just like you want you want revenge just kill kill everything kill all the noblemen <laughs> which you can see you can see how how kelsey has come about that but then that caring nature where gemmel didn't give a rats about these poor people that were you know bound and beaten um in this in this um shed but kelsey he still had compassion and still sort of realized that there was something he wanted to fight for and this better world and how can we how can we have this? So it was really nice to see him sort of grow in this story. He, he started out completely broken and then sort of had a purpose of where he wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I guess that's kind of the main character development bit of this story is Kelsier going from guy who escaped the pits and has no idea what to do to guy who has a plan now and a very ambitious one at that. Yeah. I think there's also a lot of good, kind of bouncing off of what Dak and Jamie have both said. There's a good there's a good amount of understanding you get from Kelsier's character from where he is now to where he is in the first book. I think one thing that, that stuck out to me as well is basically his philosophy of how to how to live has changed quite a bit. Like at the beginning of this short story, Gemmel's basically telling him it's like you have to be beyond what everybody else is. You have to be strong. You have to stand alone. You have to do all these things. And we see him try to do that in the first book a lot, but he's working as a part of a crew. And so it, it doesn't always work for him because he's he's doing, he's doing enacting his plan exactly how he sees it. And that's why you see some of his irresponsible choices, like him taking Vin on the trip to, to go to the palace, because, I mean, that's what his master would have done. His master would have probably yeah. just taken him along and said, Absolutely. okay, let's do it. So you kind of you kind of get why he does the things, some of the irresponsible things that he does with Vin and with some of the other people around him from this. It's like that's that's how he was taught to be a misborn. So that's how, you know, he is being nicer to Vin than his master was. But he's also saying, OK, you want to do it? Let's do it. Gemmel is a weird dude. And <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting because after the story came out, you know, obviously in the first in the book, we heard him referenced like once or twice. And Kelsier calls him like this crazy old guy who trained him, right? And then this comes out and we get to actually experience his personality and holy crap, yes, he's a crazy old dude. And so after this came out, he was kind of a big topic for people 
who are asking Brandon questions at like conventions and stuff. And so people, people are like trying to figure like how, how, how did Kelsier find this guy? How, uh, what was his training like? And most questions, uh, Brandon tends to answer with Rafo, which is read and find out RAFO. It's basically saying that might come out later. So I'm not going to tell you. And the one that sticks out in my mind is someone asked. So at the end of Kelsier's training, did Gemmel like fight him to the death to, you know, is, is that how this training ended? And Brandon's like, I'm not going to tell you that, but it totally does seem like the kind of thing he would do. Doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. But we also know that he's trained apparently some other Mistborn. So probably that's not the end of his training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if we're doing predictions on the outcome of the short story, but so I'll just put this here. I got this weird feeling reading it that somehow Gemmel is like the original chosen one. I don't know why it hit me that way, but him talking about like somehow he knew Kelsier in the old, how, how Kelsier was in the old days and just like some of the stuff, it just gave me this weird feelings. Like, is this the original one that the prophecy was about? And he's somehow stayed alive all this time. And like, you know, like Roshek did like, but I mean, I guess the original chosen one wasn't a terraceman, so he wouldn't have been able to use Pharaoh Kemi, but I don't know. I just got that weird feeling, but that's uh, well, well, also, also he's got alamantic ability and that, right. like, then they like, say like Roshek granted alamancy to his followers. Or right. Something. That's what so, we think. They, they weren't yeah. sure on where it came from. Really. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's because that was never confirmed. So, yeah. And so I got that weird feeling. I also got the weird feeling that he, might have been like an alien from another planet for some reason, because I don't know. Mm. Those were the two weird what? feelings I got from Gemmel. I don't know why. <laughs> well, when you the, look at the, this, the, tra- the training ended by Gemmel going, I have to go my home planet. My home planet. <laughs> 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 when, when you look at the picture, it's being in the short story. I could totally see him being an alien. He's freaking insane. Look at this guy. <laughs> I, I, I can't stop looking at the picture. I've had it up the whole time we've been talking. He's just so insane. He's like, got yeah, like one giant eye weird. and the mist cloak. Mm-hmm. Like, this is maybe the first picture we've gotten of a mist cloak, actually, and it's kind of freaky. Well, this is the first picture in general, really. Yeah, unless you count, like, I don't know what's on the cover of y'all's copy of The Final Empire, but... Yeah, this is... And we get, we get a look at Kelsier. He looks also strange, really. This is a weird picture in general, I think. And and I guess everyone wears these pants. The, the cuffs are all rolled up. You're, you're uh, a calf. I don't know. I like a little detail that Kelsey is tucking the picture of the flower into his pocket. Yeah, that is a good detail since the story starts off talking about the picture of the flower. Yeah. I also yeah. thought it was interesting that he didn't have the original picture that Mare had, that he mm. was like trying to draw that from memory. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, in The Final Empire, when he's talking to Vin about it, he tells her that Doxon had saved some of Mare's old stuff and that the picture was in that. Oh, so the one he gave her was the original one. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, I guess he hasn't gone back to see Doxon yet, so he doesn't know that it still exists. And that's I think that was something about this story is like it does it shows us these two hanging out and doing their thing, but it still leaves a lot of questions hanging. It's like what happened to Kelsier after he snapped and killed everyone in the pits? So like how long was he wandering? Where did he go? How did he find Gemmel? Yeah. There's there's a bit of a jump from Kelsier snapping at the pits to this. And it's like it didn't really answer what happened in that gap and then mm-hmm. i was expecting i was expecting a bit more of that but it didn't come up so not that that's a bad thing i just was surprised that they didn't have more of that in there and i think it said yeah. on the title page it was at the title page and, and dak you've got the book with you 
the title page for the eleventh medal, it says that this could be read before the yeah. final empire. It's, so it's I mean, they're that. not going to give away a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I guess that's true. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah good point. I did like uh, we got a little tidbit that apparently like Doxon likes a fight every now and again. Mm. Yeah, that's some personality for Doxon that doesn't seem like it fits. But I guess you know when he was a younger guy, he's he's a scrapper. Okay, okay, let's let's get into this. Uh, going through this thing. So yeah, it does start out with the flower, and Kelsier's trying to redraw it, and Gemmel's like, I, I should stop you from doing that. And they have a whole conversation about how he shouldn't be thinking of the past or whatever. <laughs> I like Kelsier smiles, and it took effort, and then Gemmel goes, you look creepy when you do that. <laughs> this is just because Gemmel doesn't know how to smile. Yeah, he's like, you've never had a real smile in your life, you old heap of ash. See, it. I agree that I feel like I want to know how... He, Kelsier and Gemmel met, and I've always assumed after reading this story that it was like, because we know Gemmel mentions kind of he, he's trained some other ones like Kelsier, and I always kind of figured that he's known in the underground as like the ska mistborn. So when you need training, like that's the only place you can go basically if you happen to also be one. Angry Yoda. Which really, you wouldn't go to this guy if you had a choice, I feel like. <laughs> but he survived a long time, presumably, so maybe you would. I don't know. And so he's uh, he's taking him to keep Shesler to uh, and Kelsier's immediately like, oh, OK, yeah, no problem. I need a costume, some some clothing, jewelry, a tailor who can keep his mouth shut. And it's clear that like Kelsier's immediate plan, he, he he jumps into like con mode and he's even he's he's been asking around on the street and he's found out about this guy before he even knew that they were going to be robbing this guy or attacking this guy because that's what he does. He uh, keeps his ear to the ground and gets ready for stuff. And I like Gemmel says, you're a Mistborn, not some street soother working for clips. I don't even know what that means. I guess I don't know how you're working for clips as a soother on the street, but OK. I, I, I imagine that's just like a beggar sitting on the side of the, on the street doing the Jedi mind tricks like you want to give me five cents. Hmm. I guess that would make sense. I feel I feel like from knowing Breeze, you can get by pretty well as a soother if you are in the right you know, if you're yep. in the right business, begging feels you want a little to buy me a drink. <laughs> that's that's how Breeze would start, right? Oh, yeah. He just sits in a bar all day. And he's like, you know, you want to buy me a drink. Yeah. And really, Gemmel just keeps kind of going off. He he just has speech after speech about how, you know, Kelsier needs to man up and fight like a real Mistborn and so on and so forth. And we get these brief flashes where I think they didn't want to go to, since this is supposed to be for people you can be exposed to it if you've never read anything and even misborn anything before. They didn't, he didn't want to go too deep into you know what happened to Kelsier, but you keep getting flashes like where Kelsier says memory is a dark hole lined with crystals sharp as razors. Yeah, he's still dealing with that PTSD. Yeah, her sobs as she died. So sad. Campbell says when I'm done with you, you'll be able to kill a hundred men with a single coin. Pull a man's sword out of his fingers and strike him down with it, which is exactly the kind of thing that Kelsier is able to do. The first fight scene we see with him, he gets like that one ingot of metal and just like wastes everybody with it way back when. And this is where he says, how do you know what I was like in the old days? Who are you? And this is a good question. Anyone have any theories? I mean, everyone seemed to be equally mystified by this when we were talking about it a minute ago. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, not not really a theory on, on who he is, but definitely interested in how he knows so much i mean even to the point where he knows that kelsia didn't grow up as a scar on the street he he knows something so see that one i feel like he actually explains where he's like no 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 i've i know street street kids they do not act like that yeah i guess uh, that's yeah he feels like he 
he knows it as a fact though rather than speculating he could just be a really yeah. con a really good con man or something <laughs> you know it's i don't know i just thought between between that and then this it's like you definitely know who this kid is he does seem to know a lot here and uh, uh and then of course we, we get moments where gemmel is talking to himself he's like no i like him he almost never complains the other three complained all the time so uh yeah he's crazy is what i'm getting from this it's <laughs> not crazy he just has imaginary friends because he doesn't have, <laughs> like, he doesn't have any real friends oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, this and is why kelsey was kelsey was talking to the pits of hassin it's another thing he learned from gemmel <laughs> <laughs> it's part of being a real misborn. You have to talk to things. <laughs> so Kelsier asks what they're doing, and he says infiltrating this keep. And he's, Kelsier says why, and Gemmel says does it matter, and Kelsier says it sure as hell does. And Gemmel says there's something important in there that we're going to find. And Kelsier has his sarcastic, well that explains everything. Thank you for being so forthcoming. Could you possibly enlighten me on the meaning of life? And Gemmel says I don't know. I think it's so that we can die, because uh, Gemmel doesn't get sarcasm. Interesting meaning of life, though. Kimmel tells Kelsier that we're going up and then down and then up again. Or no, just up and then down, I guess. Sorry. And was anyone surprised when uh, they get to the top and Kimmel pushes him off? Not even a little. (laughs) That will be the one that we do see. Also, how many times does this guy push Kelsier off things? <laughs> and how is Kelsier not used to this yet? Yeah, I, I I don't think I would have thought to showboat on top of the tower like he was, and then not expect to be kicked off. <laughs> I like that he prefaces it by like, "You're growing more confident. That's good." And then down he goes. Also, we sorry we 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 missed the bit. Like one of my favorite bits of this story was uh, like Gemmel wears a miscloak. Kelsier asked for one. Gemmel had laughed at him. <laughs> Uh, that 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 was I love that little note. <laughs> yeah, again, very different from how he treated Vin. Oh, oh yeah, can I have one of those? <laughs> Shit ain't ready for that. And then and see, I love the combination of that and like the very last line of the story where it's like Kelsier went off to find someone to make him a mist cloak. Yeah, he's like, I don't need your permission. Like, yeah, I'll get my own mist cloak with blackjack, with blackjack, yeah, and hookers, <laughs> and hookers. Oh gosh. So, yeah, they're just, uh, they went up so they could find where the basement is, and then they go down to the basement. And when Gemmel explains that we had to go high up so that I could look for an entrance, and Kelsier was like, wait, that actually sounds reasonable. You must have hit your head on something. <laughs> uh, and so, okay, before we get there, Gemmel says that they're going in here to find something. What do you guys think that they were going in to find, knowing how the story ends? I I guess they were going in to find this dude so they could kill him. Okay. Cause as soon as they come in, like now that I know the end, right. It's like, cause as soon as they get in there and down in the basement, he doesn't say, where is it? He's like, where is he? Mm, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the whole, the whole thing was a test. Okay. He just says, there's something important that we have to find. And so I was wondering if anyone thought there was more to it than just tricking Kelsier into fighting this guy. Of course. I kind of thought given the title of the short story, I sort of thought it was something to do with the 11th medal, but you know, whether they were actually going to go and find a piece of the 11th medal or they were finding something else. Um, yeah. I didn't think they were looking for the person specifically. 
when we get to the end of the story, all Gemmel takes from the place is what I think is a fork. He's like, now this is a fork and puts it in his pocket. <laughs> Which just leads me to believe that he like he carries around one fork that he uses all the time. <laughs> and he and he sees this fork, he's like, Oh, forget that old fork I had. Now this is a fork. I'm gonna take this one. He's gonna go give that to the seagull to pass on to the little mermaid. <laughs> yes, that's what I thought too. I was like, he's gonna brush that crazy mane of hair of his with his dingle hopper. <laughs> Uh, but you're right. As soon as they get in there, Gemmels puts his hands on his hips, looks around and says, so where is he? As as if Kelsier knows the answer because Kelsier didn't even know there was someone they were looking for. He's talking right, to his right. imaginary friends. It's like, you guys are meant to be scouting for me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and they find all of these people beaten within an inch of their lives, bloodied, wearing only rags. The floor was damp, probably because someone had recently been there to toss a bucket of water on the prisoners to keep the laboratory from stinking. Oh, jeez. So, is this the sucks to be a scar segment? Yeah, this is. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it, it's maybe no been a while joke. since we've had one of these, but this may be the worst. It sucks to be a scar segment yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Please free us or kill us. <laughs> I don't care which. Please so save appa- us from Mistborn Mengel. Yeah, he's kind of Mengela. You're 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 not. So apparently, this guy is taking random ska and trying to make them snap so that he can test his new metals. It's it's really kind of a long way to go, I feel like. <laughs> like, he doesn't find an Alamancer or anything. He goes and pulls out random people and beats the crap out of them to try to make them snap into Alamancers. Well, I guess like, reg- because he doesn't have to Alamancer pay them. Yeah, yeah. Regular Alamancers have lives and rights and things. Scott don't have such pesky things. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... In terrible, terrible, insane thing to do, but also, you know, fits his needs just fine. It's like, okay, well, I've got he he's doing what I thought the Inquisitors were doing, right? He's got a lab where he's mm-hmm. making crazy metals, and he's you know he's going to test them out on these Scott to see if they're poisonous before he uses them. Basically, is what I'm getting from this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing is, he would have to either find a Mistborn, which is super rare among Ska. Or he would have to find a misting for one of those new metals that he finds, right? Right. Which goes, goes back to what we talked about last time, whether the new metals would have mistings or not. Uh, which I think you guys kind of felt, at least Joe especially, was like, I think that there would be. And that they've just maybe lied about there not being mistings for some of these metals. So maybe that's the case here. But Yeah, or just the fact that since nobody, not very many people know about those metals, it's like, why would I test to see if you could use this metal? I I don't even know that you can use a metal, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, have this bead of enriched uranium. What? (laughs) Yeah, we'd have to get really, really lucky here to either find a new kind of misting for his new metal that he's come up with or find a Mistborn. But then again, the one of the people there is like, I don't think that he's completely sane. The things that he does. Which shocking, just right? Like, just like Gemmel. You're not wrong. Uh, Gemmel is also crazy. Not quite the same kind of crazy, I guess. But <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if he's doing like a crazy evil X thing. Gemmel's doing this to Kelsier. It's like that was one of Gemmel's old students, and he's just like, why don't you? Just, <laughs> why don't I? Why don't I take you around? And you just kill all my old students. I don't like them. Ooh, that'd be dark. Oh Damn, I fucked up with this one. All right, all right. <laughs> let's 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 kill let's kill two birds with one stone. And I love when the guy shows up and they start fighting, and 
his things like, do you have any idea what all of that is worth? Like, you are breaking my expensive shit. What is your problem? <laughs> and this is where Kelsier learns an important lesson about not uh, carrying metal. Like, on his buttons, in his pockets. You would think that would have been, like, lesson one or something, right? But uh, Gemmel doesn't teach that way. <laughs> you learn <laughs> by doing. And then here's where we find out that brawling was an old habit of Dachshunds. And he's like, man, I should have picked some of that up. <laughs> and then he, just, uh, he stabs him with a piece of glass. Just like, stabby, stabby. Yep. And uh, and the guy's like, no, I can't. Not me. I can't die. And Kelsier says, anyone can die. And that's what gives him the idea. Yeah, and uh, good old Brandon Sanderson makes great points. Like, doesn't matter how much pewter you have, you get your, slow, your throat's slit. Don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of need blood pumping to your brain. That's a thing. And I, oh no, get back in. Daddy needs you. <laughs> Apparently, Gemmel just has some really good information because presumably this guy was not like a publicly known Mistborn or else Kelsier would have heard about that when he was gathering information. But uh, Gemmel knew, he's like, that this guy was not only a Mistborn, but that he was like a nerd Mistborn and would be an easy fight to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's one of his ex-students. Yeah. Maybe. And so Gemmel starts digging through notebooks on the table and uh, Kelsier's letting all the women go and Kelsier's like, what are you doing? As Gemmel's looking through a book and that's where he finds theories and suppositions regarding the existence of an 11th medal. Personal notes. So here is presumably where Kelsier finds for the first time that maybe there's an 11th medal and starts him on his trek to destroy the Lord Ruler with the mysterious 11th medal. Which seems completely useless and yet is absolutely integral to Vin actually defeating the Lord Ruler. So, yep. It also begs the question: Why is this nobleman searching for it? Like, what was his plan to do with it? Was he just doing it for science, or was he like actually hoping to? I mean, I presume this is like one sort of science experiment. Like, let's find the damn thing and then let's see what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, what drove him to try and find it? I wonder. That's. A good question if it was like specifically science like or it might be you know he's a mistborn so it might be if i can find a metal that nobody else has found that gives me like a new power that no one else knows how to use then i will be the most powerful mistborn of all science bitch <laughs> <laughs> and gemmel throws the book down and uh carefully and meticulously selects a fork from the fallen tools now that is a fork and he shoves it in his pocket <laughs> so I, I like to think that really uh, Gemmel knew that this fork was there and that's what they were coming to find and that the Mistborn <laughs> thing was just completely secondary he's like yeah there's a Mistborn here I want you to fight but I'm looking for a real nice fork perhaps the fork is made of the 11th metal <laughs> that would be weird a weird thing for Shesler to create out of his new metal but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need the 11th medal to create the perfect dinnerware set. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you eat from it, you can see someone's future. (laughs) Or past, whichever it is. Maybe it puts trace elements of the metal on your food and you've just got a constant supply, maybe? Sure. That is how you're not supposed to eat. Then you got little bits of pewter to burn at the beginning of the book. It's it's, it's, it's like he's having a dinner party and he's giving everyone LSD. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess a fork is one of those objects that you maybe have to be as crazy as Gemmel to figure out is important. Who else? Like, why would a nobleman go, yeah, I'd like that fork, please? 
Like, crazy like a Doesn't fox. That's Gemmel, all right. <laughs> no, crazy like a fork. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid like a fox. <laughs> uh, okay, yep, and that's the end. Kelsier's going to go off and find himself someone to make a mist cloak. Because he's vain. And then we did not read the postscript because bad. So, our first <laughs> Cosmere short story. What did you guys think? I mean, we, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of the episode, but... Yeah. It gave me a real sense of, like, a Bond becoming Bond uh, thing. You know, uh, at the beginning of Casino yeah. Royale, it's like, in order to become a full double O, you have to kill somebody. Or I guess in Casino Royale, you have to kill... Well, no, it's just one. He just kills that second guy anyway. No, I think I said to funsies. become a double O, it takes, it takes two. Oh, it does take two? Okay. Yeah. To see if it gets any easier with the second. Ah, makes sense. So yeah, it's like that. This was his double O moment. It's like he's got to he's got to get his first kill under his belt to like be on his way to be a fully fledged Mistborn, apparently. According to his master, at least. Yeah, that seems to be the deal. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Vin is obviously very talented, but I don't think I don't think she really comes into her own until she does kill like her first person. You mean Shan or somebody else? No, she killed uh, the first person she killed in the book was like some guard or something. Well, yeah, that's why I was at because it's like, was it her first Mistborn, like what he's making Kelsier do, or just her first person? Is I mean, that's more that is when stuff starts to pick up after she kills Shan. It's like she starts getting, she starts doing yeah. crazy stuff. Because I mean, this isn't the first person Kelsier's killed. He wiped out the guards of the pits. So. That's true. Yeah, he did do that thing, and I'm sure he's killed other people in his career as a criminal. Oh yeah, or sent people to their deaths, or sent people to kill other people. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's not the brawler type, as he lets us know, but, you know, knife in the back or something. I'm sure he's done when it was necessary. Uh, okay, so for next time, let me bring up our thing. Everyone should have your copies of The Well of Ascension, and for next week, there is mm. no uh, prologue in this one. It's actually the only one of the three with no prologue. Oh. Uh, so Spoiler. We, eh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we are... Uh, <laughs> it's actually funny that I say that because there's one book in uh, in one of the Cosmere series. There's a uh, oh, not, not I gotta pull it up because I gotta get this exactly right. There is a I think there's a preface and a prologue, and then no, there's a prelude and then a prologue and then some flashbacks <laughs> at the beginning of this. <laughs> it's just a when lot. When does of the book start? Stuff. Like yeah, chapter twelve. Right? <laughs> That's uh, yeah, it's like when you're playing Kingdom Hearts three, and it's an hour in, and then the the oh title three shit. finally pops up. Oh god, the, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts three is all like pointless prologue until yeah. the story finally takes off in the final level. <laughs> Sorry, ridiculous. Kingdom Hearts three, but you suck. I mean, it's fun to play, I guess. There's just mm. the story is ridiculously handled. Well, just the fact that like it all. In all the other games, like going to the Disney worlds, fed into the story, whereas this one right. not so much. Nope. Yeah, this one was like, let's throw some Disney at you, and here's some story at the end. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, it's Frozen World. It doesn't mean anything, but isn't yeah. it cool looking? And we're also gonna make you listen to this entire song that you yep. have heard a million times. Yep. <sighs> okay, so for next time, <laughs> we we are reading chapters one, two, three, and four of the Well of Whoa. Ascension. Whoa. 
Anyway. It seems like a lot, except uh, until you find out that chapter one and chapter four are both shorter than any chapter we read in The Final Empire, like considerably oh. shorter than any chapter we read in there. So this book has some of the most inconsistently sized chapters. There are some episodes where we read four chapters. There's some episodes where we read two. I think most of them we end up reading three, but it just it is very variable. Although I say that, I think on my schedule for the next book uh, for Hero of Ages, there's we read four chapters a lot and then sometimes five and then sometimes all the way down to like two or three. So that's also kind of variable. But uh, anyway, so yes, four chapters for next time. And it will still be even at four chapters. It'll be like on the short. If, if you looked at the episodes and the amount we read for each episode in the final empire, it would be in the bottom half uh, lengthwise of amounts of stuff that we've read for an episode. So hmm. yes, four chapters and uh, it should be interesting uh, to see. I, we're not going to do predictions this time because we did predictions for what we think is going to happen in the, in the next books and stuff last episode. And there's not really any new information towards that. I think that we got from the short story. So I didn't see any reason for us to do predicaments again, uh, right in a row. Mm hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what you guys think of the direction that this uh, second book is taking, because we get dropped right into it at the beginning here. So, all right, yeah, four chapters. Anyone has, since we're not doing predicaments, anyone have anything else you want to touch on? We don't have any emails or anything this time either, so uh, this may be a short episode for us, which is good, because the last one, the the raw edit, <laughs> before I started editing, was like two and a half hours. So, yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there was and after the edit i think it came out to like an hour and 40 some odd minutes maybe i forget exactly but i kind of i, I relate to what you said earlier jamie about like you're like man i was talking for a long time because i do that a lot in these episodes <laughs> and when i start cutting i'm just like there's a big section of me just talking who who, who cares just cut me out no one wants to hear me Every episode, you are, the, like, you are the guide. You're, you're the boatman for us. We're just the passengers in the boat over this river. Yeah, but you, you're you, the experience that you guys are having is what people are here for. I already know all the stuff. I'm boring. So a lot of the explanation and stuff that I did last time, especially at the end of the episode, where I'm like, let me go off on this big thing about like secret history. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just I cut like ten minutes out of there because pff, I don't need to talk that. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so anyway, anything anyone else wants to touch on before we're done? I will just say, like, I think I mentioned earlier, I was trying to go over what are things that we haven't talked about, which I think might play a part in uh, the next book. And, like, the biggest thing I've come up with is, like, I don't think we mentioned, like, what are the Coloss or Coloss or whatever those creatures are. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just to have a small predict predicament to throw in there, um, I'm wondering, are they the miscreatures that stabbed um, the Hero of Ages' buddy? Oh, so they'd be even, like... Mm. Like Mistrace or Blobby, but this would be even like more, like this is more Misty, I guess, is the thing that stabbed him. So yeah, and you know they make a point even in this short story, like the Mists do respond to Alamances. So maybe like the mm -hmm. Lord Rule was such a powerful one, he controlled them or something, and he would guide them towards what he had wanted them to practice their stabbing on. Ooh, wow! That and now see that makes you wonder if he was if he could control them. Like, yeah. what are they doing now when he, that he's mm, gone? Yeah. So yeah, I just think, all right, like they threw that into the into the epi epigraphs, and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, we never really got an answer on that. I wonder if that's going to come back into play. And then I was thinking of the Coloss, and like, oh, huh. also I made a small list of characters. I'm like, I wonder if these guys are going to come back. Like, 
you know, we talked about we reckon Strathbench is going to come back, but uh, Menace, uh, Goodman Menace, and like Waylon, the new survivor, Lady Cliss, and uh, Hoyd, the informant. I'm like, I feel like these guys will probably show up again in some capacity. Hmm. Okay. I could see the, the the environment will definitely be different for Cliss if she comes back because uh, the nobility things are going to change presumably in this new society. Yeah. So that would certainly be interesting. He told uh, the the guy who climbed Waylon was that what you said his name was the guy who climbed out of the pits. He was like Waylon Waylon yeah. Go far away and sell this adium and like you know live like a king that way. So. <laughs> Uh, if he listened, then he probably is not going to uh, be in Luthadel, at least. But who says we're going to be in Luthadel yeah. this whole book again? So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially if we're going to the Well of Ascension. Yeah, well, exactly, right? I, I uh, feel like, yeah, Way- Waylon's probably the, the least consequential in this book of those four characters that I mentioned. But they took the time to give us a point of view of this person and showing true. him surviving and getting out of there. And it's like, it, it wasn't just Kelsia a scene of Kelsia grabbing this unnamed scar out and telling him they're a survivor and to get out of Dodge. We met this guy and saw his mm-hmm. life. So I feel like you know, maybe he's a bit more important than just the average scar. Mm. And of course, yeah, we've seen Goodman Menace a couple times now, so I totally wouldn't be surprised to see him come back. Although you, you gotta wonder what he's doing now. Like, if he was part of the army, they slipped back into Luthadel. Did he participate in, you know, the killing of the whatever was left of the garrison and stuff? Maybe. Or is he, is he just old now? And he's like, I'm gonna relax, people. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hoyd, he, he was an informant. There's probably a use for a street informant still. Well, yeah, I think the the like they're still going to be politicking and backstabbing and mm-hmm. um and and stuff. So I think that guy is just going to find he's going to find his way into a nice little corner and keep up what he's doing. So I feel like we we haven't seen the last of him. He Even seemed like he was, was pretty good at what he did. So yeah. He, yeah, he, he was a he, he was a very little one-off, but I thought he's kind of fun. I like him. I agree. I I, I liked him, and I like his name. His name is fun to say. So, <laughs> okay, I like where you're going. Like, you got your list of characters. Like, who's gonna show up again? You got a scorecard. See when they I was think, when they pop I was in. thinking of like the non-obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Anybody else? Any any things? Nothing for me. Okay. Now I'm now I'm scared that the Coloss are going to show up and be like these creepy ghost things and kill everybody. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're scared. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they they're they it's much scarier than uh, gooey blobs or whatever Jamie called. The, I don't know. Uh, goo blobs are pretty scary, man. I mean, I get the goo the goo blobs do eat your flesh and save your bones for later, so maybe that yeah. is a little bit scary, but. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. If uh, you want to send us emails, it is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Feel free to find us on Twitter, the Sanderlanch, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, I don't – did I put up – oh, yeah, I did put up an Instagram thing this week. Sorry, it's like the one thing I don't have automated because I got to go out and take a picture of something and put it on there. So I'm always like, oh, crap, did I forget this week? No, I remembered it. It's fine. Uh, also, 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 Music by Miracle of Sound, you should have heard – our one-off at the beginning of this episode and another clip we'll play right now for the end music. But next week we will have the music I've picked out specifically for our coverage of Will of Ascension. So uh, tune in for that just to hear the new song. You don't even need to listen to us. It's just uh, a <laughs> great song. It's fine. Uh, if you're curious, this song uh, for this episode is called Only Us and it's by Miracle of Sound. So you can go and uh, find that and listen to the whole thing if you want to. 
And I think that's everything. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. 